of a hand. You got out of bed this morning on your birthday. Come on. I know it doesn't seem right to have to give yourself a hand on your birthday, but you know on your birthday you don't have to give yourself a hand. You're like, of course I'm getting out of bed. It's my birthday. So I don't think we got too much to do. And we celebrate you this morning. And one of the, the ways that we want to celebrate you this morning is everyone in the house today gets a free t-shirt on the Refuge Church. So um, if you haven't gotten one yet, hopefully your size is still available, right? So everyone has to get this shirt today. Now, I want to explain this shirt to you. Shirts go off quick, right? They start like worship shirts. These shirts go off quick. Like, if you want to cut off your sleeve and cut off your gun, then you can do that. You just better have some gun, right? Because we're all about the truth at the Refuge Church, so you better represent well. So, It's not about you being on our team. It's about you 
about you being where God wants you to be. That's why we're here. We're here for him. And, and, and I think that, that today's message will, will show you, I hope that it shows you that, that we're, we're here for him, not, not for me, not for, not for anything else, but we're here because of what Jesus has done. And we're here because of him. So, in the Bible, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, follow along with us. If you don't have your Bibles or you have your cell phone, you can follow along in the Version Bible app. follow along with all of today's notes on there. So, um, on the screen there will be a few notes, but in the YouTube app, there's a whole lot of notes. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Every single one of us are uniquely created by God and he calls us his greatest work. He calls us his masterpiece. And all of all the things that God created, he calls us his. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I want to invite you along this journey with me. Uh, we're about to go on about a 30, 40-minute journey, hopefully. Not so much 40 minutes, hopefully close to 30 minutes. Come on, somebody. But I want to invite you on this journey with me. If, if you're going to get anything out of this, this message this morning, I think that it, it requires some participation. It requires you to be engaged. It requires you to give a shout, give a give a give a clap, give a boo. Our security might be enthusiastic. But we want to invite you. I want to invite you along on this journey with me. You were created uniquely by God, and you are His masterpiece. Can I get an amen? There we go. Now we're getting somewhere. You were created by God, and and you are. Masterpiece in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible tells us that God created us in His image. Out of all the things He created, He created human beings in His image. And so, what makes us different than everything else that God created? Well, we are the ones, we are the ones that He has given the ability to dream and the ability to see our dreams come true. Everything else that He's created does not have that ability. I believe that the number one reason, the number one way that God creates us in his image, or, or the, number, the number one reason why he did, is because he's given us the ability to dream and the ability to see those dreams come true. But I think here's what happens in churches, especially church plants, right? What happens a lot of times when someone comes to town, they move, uh, let's say they move to Linda, Maine from, So what happens a lot of times, especially in church land, is that that people gather together and they and they come and, and, and they come to support this one man with this one vision, with this one dream, that he's the one that gets up and he's the one that talks and he's the one that tells everyone what God thinks and how God is, and he's the one that reads God's word and, and everyone comes and they watch him and they they they, they follow him. But ladies and gentlemen, I believe that that's not what God that's not the way the church is supposed to be. The church isn't about one man, but the church is about one Savior that died so that it could fly. So this morning, 
I want you to know that today is all about empowering you. You see, some of you may have come in this morning knowing that this was Vision Sunday, knowing that that uh, we were going to talk about the vision of the church. And, and maybe you came because you were excited to hear about the things that the Refuge Church is going to do. And let me tell you, I have got some dreams, I've got some ideas, and I've got some ways that God has given me that we can reach this community for Jesus. And we're going to do those things, but today I'm not going to tell you those things. Because today is about you. It is always about you growing closer to Jesus, not about us and what we're doing. We will always be about getting you closer to God. One step closer, no matter what that looks like. That's why we're here. Now you can go home. I've got a lot more to say than that. Don't go home. It's not about one man. I remember when we, uh, shortly after we started, so we call our team the Dream Team. I don't know if you heard Garen on the announcements. Uh, he said, you know, I'm a part of the dream team. We call our team that sets up and tears down, that, um, that, that also takes care of the kids, that also uh, leads our worship. We're all a part of the dream team. And, and so we call, it, we call it the dream team. And I remember uh, shortly after we started, someone, uh, I heard someone say that, um, well, Adam and Tanya call the dream team the dream team because we're helping them like, no, 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 no. That's not why we call it the dream team. We call it the dream team because everyone on the team has a dream in their heart that God has put there. And if we do it the right way, then the dream team will empower you to chase the dream that God has given you and to see it come to life. That's why we call it the dream team. That's why we want you on our team, because we believe that God has, a, has put a dream in your heart. You may not know what it is. You may, you may not know what it looks like. It may scare you to death, but we want to help you get there. Because we believe that's what God has for us. I was thinking about this this message all week. And um, I realize that oftentimes when pastors get up and they start talking about living your best life, and they talk about God wants you to be prosperous, and, 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 they, and God wants has big plans for you. I realize that we like to label that prosperity. But ladies and gentlemen, the reason that God wants you to chase the dream in your heart and wants to see you thrive and wants to see you uh, succeed is because when you do and when you do it for him, he's the one that gets the glory, not you. And when he gets the glory, he builds your faith, he builds your life, and you become, you, you become a force to see people know Jesus. And Satan doesn't want that. He doesn't want you to think that God wants you to live your best life. But you do, he does. Because it's all about your faith and it's all about your faith growing. But of course, there's the issue in our life. And the issue is, is the sin that keeps us from, from getting there. And, and that's very much a part of who God is as well. I'm not delivering a prosperity message this morning. I'm delivering a message that God has for you because he wants you to get the junk out of your life so that you can live your best life. And so at the refuge, we have a specific vision. 
So our vision is, is, is ultimately we want everyone to chase the dream that God has for you. But we also have this, this specific vision that God has given us. And the vision of the Refuge Church, ladies and gentlemen, is, and they're going to put it on the screen behind me, is to show people that when they make Jesus their refuge, that they never have to be overtaken by the storms of this life. They never have to be overtaken by the storms of, of this life. And, and I love the vision that God has given us for the church because it is founded on the word of God. In the book of Psalms, chapter 91, verse 9 and 10, it says this. It says, if you say the Lord is my refuge and make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. What's the saying that um, either you're in the middle of a storm or you're about to go into a storm or you're coming out of a storm, right? Like storms exist, we know that. When, when God called us to New England, I, I believe that this was the vision that he put in my heart because New Englanders, we know a thing or two about storms. Come on, somebody. Hopefully this storm tomorrow isn't anything, right? God doesn't want those storms to affect your life at all. But the only way that that can happen is if Jesus is our refuge and nothing can shake us. That's why we sing songs like, like Raising Our Banner High, like, like Raising Our Banner of Hallelujah. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what the storm looks like. We're going to praise Jesus anyway. That's what it looks like to make Jesus our, our refuge. But the fact of the matter is, is that there, there are probably some of you here in this room this morning that are going through something that's scary. And if that's you this morning, I want you to know that the God that has put a dream in your heart, that can get you to see that dream come to life, is the same God that's in charge of the storm that you're going through. And that's why, that's why we chase the dreams in our life. As I observe people, I see people that are, that are disconnected from Jesus as a refuge. I see people that, that are trying to go through storms that don't have Jesus as a refuge in life. And, and, and because of that, we want to change that, ladies and gentlemen. We want to show people that when they make Jesus a refuge, that they never have to be overwhelmed or overtaken or, or want to quit because of the storms in their life. And I believe that one of the ways that we do that is by empowering people to chase the dream that God has given them. You see, um, when we started the church, I, I remember meeting with, with someone that's still affiliated with our team today. Um, and, and I remember getting coffee with him. And I asked him, I said, so what dreams has God given you? And he said, well, my wife and I, we, we really like to uh, travel. So, like, that's one of the things that we have. I said, that's amazing. Because the refuge, we want to reach this world for Jesus by going on mission together. And we want, we want to see Jesus um, just infiltrate the world with his presence. And we want to go on mission trips to do that. And we can help you with your travel. 
that's something very basic. And, and let me just say that um, I've, we've got some plans coming in October that are going to help us go on some, some mission trips, some, some relationships that we've begun to build um, this last year uh, with, with people specifically in the Dominican Republic that we're going to go on mission trips with. And, and just it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. So that's the only part of the future that we're going to get to test. Because I told you I was going to talk about it. Well, I'm excited about it because we believe that God has great, great things in store for us. But if the church operates the way that God wants it to, in my opinion, if the church operates the way that the, that, that, that the Bible tells us that it can, then I believe that, that we will see our dreams come true through the body of Christ. But the problem is so many churches are, are following this one man and, and, and doing what, what he says and, and, and following his dream and, and following his vision they're not making it about, about you in the seat. Ladies and gentlemen, we want to empower you this morning to chase the dream that, that God has given you. And so one of the things that I've learned is that if you're going to achieve your goals, you have to get clear. You have to get clear in how you achieve those goals. And one of the things that we've kind of done in, in the past, but we haven't necessarily spoken, is, is, that, uh, is, is what I'm about to give you. So we have some steps to show people how they can make Jesus their refuge, and, and, and this is what they are. Number one, we want to help people find God, because there are people that are living this life without him, lost, trying to figure it out on their own, trying to chase a dream that they have in their heart that they want to see come to reality, but they, they're doing it without God's help. And so we want to help people find God, number one. Then we want to help them live free. Because we believe once they find God that he offers them freedom from the sin of their past and he allows them to live a life of full of freedom. So we want people to find God, we want them to live free. And then we want them, once they live in the freedom that God has and they get rid of the sin of their life, then they can discover the purpose that God has for them. So we want people to live free, or live, find God, live free, discover their purpose, so that they can make an impact on this world. That's why we're here. So we're going to start saying, find God, live free, discover your purpose, and make an impact. Because we believe that that's what God has called us to do. So why do we have to get clear? Well, we have to get clear because so often times in our lives, as we chase dreams without goals, then we get sidetracked. And the reason we get sidetracked is because we have what I like to call roadblocks that are have roadblocks that get in our way of chasing our dreams. One of my biggest frustrations as a youth pastor was um, meeting with kids. Usually they were around the age of, of 20, uh, 18. They graduated from youth group. They came back home. They're living in their mom's basement. Their mom's like, hey, Adam, you really need to talk to this kid and get it really in his ear. Like, do something. And I got so frustrated with kids because it was always the same one. There was this one kid in one of my youth groups. His name was Nick. And um, every time I talked to Nick, it was like, well, lost my job, working at the gas station. And it was just always trying to figure out what was the next thing. And I'm like, man, Nick, God put a dream in your heart. Chase after it. Do, like, don't 
Like, go back to school. Do whatever you can to see it come to life. Like, that's what I wanted to, to say. That's what I said. But he was just like, well, I don't have the money. Ladies and gentlemen, we have roadblocks that will keep us from, from seeing our dream come true because Satan puts them in our way. Because he doesn't want you to chase the dream that God has for you. Because when you see it and when you see it come to life, then you give God glory for, the, for, for giving you the success that he has given you, making it about him and not about you. And he gets the glory and people come to him. God, guys, that is, that's what God wants. And if we can get people to see that, why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? Why wouldn't you want to be, like, I'm sitting here and I'm going, man, this is falling on, like, are you with me? Am I crazy? Like, I feel like there's probably a movie about this where some guy's like really excited about something and he gets that big box and it's really worried about something that he's really excited about and there's no one that will give him the same thing. I am crazy because I've seen it. I've seen what God can do when you have the faith to chase after the dream that he's given you. And I don't want to be the only one that sees it. I want you to see it. And so we have these roadblocks that keep us from success. We say things like, I can't chase my dream because. I can't go after it because. I said it last week and I'll say it again. My greatest success in life is yours. Not me. This isn't about me. It's about us chasing the dreams that God has given us. So, roadblocks. I like to call them roadblocks. Some people like to call them giants. So if I were going to tell you a story about a giant in the Bible, who would I be talking about? What was that? Goliath. See, you guys, you guys are good. Because Goliath is the giant of the Bible. And so... So we're going to talk a little bit about Goliath and the young man that dropped him this morning by the name of, of David. And, and I believe that, that David faced some things as he faced Goliath that can help us overcome the obstacles or the giants when we chase dreams. So this morning I want to, I want to give those to you. The story of David and Goliath is found in, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. In 1 Samuel, I put chapter and Samuel together. That was kind of funny. 1 Samuel, chapter 16. 1 Samuel, listen, hey, I'm not perfect. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out my flaws. And, uh, and, if, and if I don't, you will later. So, and if you don't, Tanya will later. So, 1 Samuel, chapter, so I, in other words, I better point mine out when I, when I make them is what I'm trying to say. 1 Samuel chapter 12, 16, holy cow, Adam, get on track here. In chapter 16, David is anointed to be the king. That means that he is, he is appointed by God. He is approved. He is approved to be the next king by the prophet Samuel that, that, um, that God had to speak to the children of Israel on, on God's behalf. And so... David is appointed to be king in chapter 16. Verse, and in chapter 17, David is, um, faces Goliath. 
Now, in the story of David and Goliath, you've got two armies. One army on one hill or one mountain called the Philistines, and then another army on another hill called the Israelites. And in between the hills is known a what? A valley, right? A valley. So you've got the Israelites on one side, the Philistines on another side, and a valley in between. Now, one of the things that is, is really important to point out is that the Israelites and the Philistines, neither one of them want to give ground. Because if you give ground and you go into the valley, then you give up position. And if you give up position, then you become weak. So neither one of these armies want to, want to become weak until the Philistines say, you know what? We've got this guy named Goliath. Let's take him. Goliath is a big dude. He's a champion warrior. He represents the Philistine army. Now, believe it or not, there's some, uh, there's there's a little bit of an argument on if if Goliath was was nine feet six inches tall or six feet nine inches tall. I didn't realize that until I really started studying this this scripture this morning. And the reason for that is because of the interpretation of the original language. It's, it has nothing to do with no one knowing how tall he was because it wasn't really, it, it was a made-up story that has nothing to do with it. It's not a made-up story. It's a story that's 100% true. The fact of the matter that the Bible calls Goliath a giant is the most important. Don't get wrapped up in the details. Ladies and gentlemen, Satan wants you to get wrapped up in the details so many times because if he can get you to doubt the details, he can get you to doubt the truth. Don't get wrapped up in the details. Goliath was huge. He was a giant. And and the Philistine army sends him down into the valley, and he's standing there. And the Israelite army is terrified. Absolutely terrified. They were so scared that no one budged for 40 days. The Bible says. Goliath stood in between the army. details that you might miss on, on the story of David and Goliath that, that um, isn't in the text is that 3,000 years ago, the rules of engagement of war had this rule called the single combat rule. The single combat rule stated that if one side sends out a champion in between the other two sides, then the other side was obligated to send out their champion, and that way there was less bloodshed. But the champion that won was the champion that that everyone would submit to, that the other side would submit to. Picture with me Black Panther. Anybody seen Black Panther? I love that movie. That was a great movie. It's a PG-13, so if you're a 13, you should watch it. If you're not, you must anyway. So the Black Panther was a great movie because what happened is um, anyone could challenge um, each other at one time, and and they would become the king. Well, it's the same way with, with David and Goliath. Philistines sent out um, their champion, Goliath, and, um, and and so the Israelites are obligated to send out a champion. That's why Goliath, for 40 days, said, who you got? Like, send out your champion. I'm ready. Like, I'm ready to fight. Let's go. Come on. For 40 days, that happened. Now, a lot of my, um, a, lot, a lot of what I'm saying today about this story of David and Goliath, I want to be very clear. I am not taking 
And the goal is to see that you can face the giants of your life. Because sometimes, most of the time, the giants that you think are in your life aren't always as big as people. So a lot of my thoughts are from um, this guy's book called, his name's uh, Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell. Um, he wrote a book called uh, David and Goliath, uh, Misfit, Underdog, and, um, and the Art of Battle and Conquest. And so I'm not taking anything away from God this morning. David was an underdog. David was the unlikely hero. He wasn't supposed to win. That's the definition of an underdog. But ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you this morning that David knew some things that other people did not. Because he knew that God was on his side. And if God is on his side, who can stand against me? If God is for me, who is against me? Let's go. Let's go toe-to-toe. I don't care how tall you are. If you're going to do it, you better do it right. So David had things on his side that people, other people didn't know. And so I just want you to, my goal this morning is to get you to see that, there, that you're looking at things as roadblocks, as giants, to chasing the dream that God has put in your heart. And you're giving them more credit than they deserve. So Goliath was a big dude. He's challenging the children of Israel. And in the time, there were three types of warriors in the day. There were the cavalry, those were the horsemen, the guys that would ride the horses. Goliath was not one of those. Why are you going to put a six foot nine dude or a nine foot six guy on a, on a horse? You're not going to do that. Then there was the infantry. This was the foot soldier. This is what Goliath was. He was a foot soldier because he was so big. He was he was he would march in front of everybody to intimidate them all. He was a part of the of the, of the infantry. And then you had the artillery. The artillery was the bow and the arrow guy, the slinger guy, the guy with the slingshot, the the, the guy that that David would have been a part of. He was a part of the artillery. And all of a sudden, this song from my childhood comes into my mind. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over anybody, but I'm in the... Come on, somebody, that's right. You see, there were three types of warriors that would fight. Goliath was in the infantry. David was a part of the artillery. The number one source for slaying the the infantry was the artillery. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to submit to you this morning that David brought a slingshot to a sword fight. I'm going to jump a slingshot. I can stay far away. And I can can shoot it, and I don't have to get close. You see, Goliath kept saying, come, come at me, bro. (laughs) He kept saying, he kept saying, come, come. saw things a lot differently than other people saw them. So this morning, I want to submit to you um, four giants that David faced that we often face in our lives. You ready? You ready? Number one is the giant of delay. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, write that down. Giant of delay. 
that's one of my favorite things that my pastor says when he preaches, and I, I just steal it from every time. The giant of the delay. This is why patience can be so difficult. Because so oftentimes, with, when we hit a roadblock, we just, we just slow right down and, and, and we delay. David faced delays. In, in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16, he is appointed to be the king of Israel. And he doesn't become the king for years later. And in fact, until it's not until he slays the giant that he becomes the king. David faced a delay. In his case, I think one of David's sources for facing delay was his very dad, Jesse. You see, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 15, it says that David went back and forth, back and forth. Where did he go back and forth from? From the sheep field. From his father's sheep field. You see, his dad, Jesse, had an idea for, for, for David. <laughs> About to preach there, you better, be, you better hold on. They, Jesse had an idea for his son to do, and God had bigger plans. Last week, I... I talk a lot about my parents. By the way, you can listen to all of our past messages on on, uh, on iTunes or on our, our website. Um, I talked a lot about my, my parents. And, and, and my dad grew up the son of a roofer. R-O-O-F-E-R. Roofer in the South. Roofer, you know how to talk. I don't know. So he was the son of a roofer. My grandfather's roofing company was called Harold and Sons Roofing. My dad was in high school when he started. My grandfather had an idea for my, my dad to be a roofer. He said, son, you're going to make some money. And, and you're going you're gonna to follow my footsteps. And you're going to lead this company. My dad kind of messed that up when he said, Parents, God has dreams for your kids that are far greater than the dreams that you have. I just felt like I needed to say that this morning. So Jesse holds David back. You see, Jesse didn't even think of David when Samuel shows up trying to find who he is going to appoint as king. In, in chapter 16, Samuel has to say to, to, to Jesse, don't you have another son? Well, you, well, yeah, I have another son, but he's in the, he's in the sheep field. We don't, we don't want to bother him. Well, let me go meet him, Samuel says. And that's when he goes and he sees him. And he appoints him and anoints him to be the king of Israel. And then even after Samuel's anointing of, of David, David gets stuck in the sheep field going back and forth, back and forth, because his dad had an idea for him that God didn't. 
And so for 40 days, his champion is, is in between the Israelites and the Philistines. And, there's, and he's saying, come at me for 40 days. It isn't until David delivers some food to his brothers that David says, who is this guy challenging the, the Lord of the Israelites? Who is this guy that's, choosing, that, that's challenging Almighty God? Why are you guys standing here? I was actually reading in the book of Deuteronomy earlier today when, when, the, children, when, when the children of Israel entered into, the, into, into Canaan, into the promised land. One of, one of the verses that I read this morning in, in Deuteronomy, I think it was uh, chapter 17, so this is all off the cuff, I'm not just refreshing this morning. One of, the, one of the scriptures that I read this morning was that, um, I think it's Deuteronomy chapter 20. He said, it says, don't submit to the other other people. Like, if anyone challenges you, know that God is, is bigger than they are. All the way back in Deuteronomy, God was telling the people of Israel, don't let anyone challenge you because I got your back. And the Israelites forgot that. All because this big guy standing in between them? All because they're terrified? And so, when David gets there, he experiences his second giant, and that is the giant of discouragement. The giant of discouragement. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 11, it says that the Israelites were dismayed and deeply terrified. They were terrified of this giant. Ladies and gentlemen, people that are paralyzed in their own securities will always try to paralyze the dream that God has placed inside of them. Boom. My wife and I backstage before, um, before I came out, she goes, so what's the over under on how many balloons you pop while you're up there? It wasn't me that popped it, ladies and gentlemen. Let me read that again. People that are paralyzed by their own insecurities will always try to paralyze the dream that God has placed in their heart. And that's exactly what David experienced as he, as he got to the place to deliver the cheese and bread, to deliver the, the grapes, to deliver whatever it was that he was giving them to, to eat. My pastor says this, he, said that fear, he says that fear and faith often have the same definition, but different decisions. Let that sink in for a moment. Fear and faith often have the same definition, but different decisions. Which one will you choose? So as David gets there to, um, to deliver this, and he says, what are you guys doing? Conventional wisdom said not to send the little boy out there and put him in front of the, the giant. That was conventional wisdom. But ladies and gentlemen, the dreams that God has placed in our heart, we do not always look at conventional wisdom and chase because a lot of times they don't make sense. The dreams in our hearts don't make sense. I can't tell you how many people tried to talk us out of going to Maine because it didn't make sense. Do you know how cold it is there? Both literally and physically? Like, metaphorically, I mean, like, like seriously, the people there are cold, Adam. I know, that's why they knew that. But it didn't make sense. It doesn't always make sense, ladies and gentlemen. The dreams that God puts in our heart 
don't always make sense. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 28, it's David's very brother that is the source of his discouragement. His own brother said, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? And David said to him, what are you doing? Sometimes, sometimes, having people believe in you instead of discouraging you can be more powerful than the dream that God has put in your heart. You see, we need small groups so that we can get together and believe in each other. We need people that will have our back. We need people that will encourage us along the way. My pastor, Eric Fry, he, he spoke here last August. I believe it was my pastor. He's our pastor in our church. He put in 450 pounds on us. He put in 450 pounds. He's my pastor because he believes in me. He's my pastor because he empowers me. I haven't told many people this. I know that Derek believes in me because as we were starting the Refuge Church, he actually offered me a job to come and work at his church just to show me that he believed me. I don't even know if he really wanted to give me a job. <laughs> but he wanted me to know that he believed in me. And he said, Adam, this isn't, this isn't to distract you from going and starting a church. This is to let you know that you have a safety net. And he believed in me. We need people that will believe in me. My wife, Tanya, she believes in me all the time, and I have no idea why. We need people that will have our backs, that will believe in us instead of discourage us. Number three, we have uh, David faced the giant of disapproval. The giant of disapproval. When you chase the dream of God in your life, there will always be parties and breaks. And there will always be people that say, are you sure you want to move to Maine? We all have the choice of whose approval we want to have. Do you want man's approval or do you want God's approval? If you want God's approval, then you will always be empowered to chase the dream that he has given you. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser by nature. That's kind of changed a little bit since I've started a church. Uh, <laughs> and some of you guys are like, yeah, you can tell. But by nature, I'm a people every day that I'm going to, I'm going to want, I want the approval of God more than I want the approval of man. That's just the way it is. Everything that God has for you has rewards. Everything. He wants to bless you. But please, again, don't hear me wrong there. It's not about the blessing. It's about the process that he has to get you to the blessing. Don't get wrapped up in the blessing. Again, don't get wrapped up in the details. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 26 through 29 says that David asked the men standing near him. This should be on the screen behind me. What will be done for the man who kills the Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I love that. Like, even as he's as David is challenging uh, Goliath, he's he's 
hurling insults at him. Who is this disgrace that is scraping his ribs? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him, and they had they had been saying to, to him and told him, this is what will be done for the man that kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, and turned with anger and asked him, Why have you come down here? And whom do you leave the few sheep in the wilderness? So now David's brother, that's the older brother, he's insulting David. You don't even watch that many sheep. You just don't leave. You just have a few sheep in that pasture. The people disapprove of us, they insult us. Who did you leave those few sheep in? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. Ooh, this got real. Because now you're questioning David's character. Listen, you can question what I do, but when you question my character, we got some problems. He says, I know you're conceited. Your wicked heart. You come down here only to watch the battle? Verse 29, David said, now what have I done? David said, can I even speak? Oftentimes, the people that disapprove of us disapprove of us because of the confidence that we have in God. Ladies and gentlemen, don't allow the confidence that God has given you to see your faith come to reality. Don't allow them to question your character because of the confidence you have in a mighty God. Because there will be times when you see your dreams come to truth, when you see your dreams come alive and you start to do things that people start to say, whoa, what is going on with him? Who does he think he is? I'm sure there are people that, that have asked, who does Adam think he is starting a church in Wyndham, talking about the, the people that they had on their launch day? He's just cocky. Don't confuse confidence in God with cockiness. Because when God allows your dreams to come true, he's the one that gets the glory, not us. But so oftentimes when people, when enough people disapprove of us, we get to the final giant, the giant of doubt. Well, I probably shouldn't have said that. Experts of war doubted David. First Samuel 17.33 says, Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the, the Philistine army. Saul was an expert of war. Experts may doubt you, but the experts can be wrong, ladies and gentlemen, because my God is bigger than the experts. So how do we achieve our dreams? I've got four quick things. I'm already over my time, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Number one is remind yourself how God has helped you before. The way you overcome the doubt, the way you overcome the delay, the way you overcome the disapproval, the way you overcome those things is by remembering what God has done in your life. Remember what he has done in your past. So when Saul doubted David, you know what he said? He said, but I have this sling and I have killed bears and lions because my God is bigger than they are. Remember what God has done. Number two, use the tools that God has in your hands right now. Use the tools that God has given you right now to see that dream come to reality. 
God has placed in your hands will help your dream come true right now. But ladies and gentlemen, what will happen is people will say that they are for you. People will say that you're for you chasing your dream, and then they'll, they'll try to put something in your hand to replace what God has already put in your hand. And they'll say, you know what? I believe in you, but you should probably do it like this. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> I believe in you, but you should probably do it like this. And, and what happens is, is they try to get you to wear their armor. And that's what Paul's going to be saying to them. He says, here, you want, if you're going to go out there and you put, put, put my armor on, and go out there and, 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 and get before this, this giant, and, and this, this armor will help you. And he's thinking, but how, I can't wear this. I can't wear this armor. And so, so oftentimes people try to get used to do it their way. But ladies and gentlemen, when you start to live the dream, someone else's way, it stops being your dream. And it is the way that God wants you to live it. He is. Because, and, and here's why. Because God has uniquely made each one of us for the dream that he has put in our life. You can accomplish things that I can't. That's why we need everyone. We need 100% participation. Because you can do things that I can't do. He has uniquely made each one of us to fit the dream of our heart. The third way that we accomplish our dreams is to ignore the giants that are in our way. Just ignore them. Just ignore them. Just look past them. Be committed to the right people. People that will choose faith over fear. That's who I want on my team. People that will choose courage over doubt. That's who I want on my team. Because I know that together when we choose courage, together when we choose uh, choose faith, we can see mountains move, ladies and gentlemen. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Someone said that. I don't know who it was, but it's a great quote. It wasn't me. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me friends that have faith. Show me friends that have courage. In 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6, it says that David found strength in his God. David knew the battle with God. He knew things that other people didn't. That's why he won. Finally, number four. Expect God to help you for his glory and not yours. The victory is yours, the battle is, uh, the, the victory is the Lord's and the battle is the Lord's. He will fight for you, but when he fights for you, better give him the credit for winning. It's not about you. It's not about me. His is the glory. It's because of him. and not settling your dreams to remain dreams is so that you can see how mighty God is. It's not about us. It's all about Him. The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, there's this giant that we all face. Every single one of us face the giant known as sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We can't have the glory that God has for us because of the sin in our lives. And every 
single week, I will remind us that the same God that allows us to achieve our dreams is the same God that died for our sins. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed? Today is Vision Sunday. And our vision at the Refuge Church is to see that when people make Jesus their refuge, they never have to be overtaken by the storms of their life. But ladies and gentlemen, some of the storms that we face are caused by sin. The greatest storm that 100% of all of us will face in our life is the storm of being disconnected from a mighty God that loves us, that died for us, that created us to live in his image. And some of you are going through that storm today of being completely separated from God. You're lost. You're trying to find him. You're trying to do it your way. And God said, no, no, no. I got a better way. His name's Jesus. He will live a perfect life without sin. And he will, he will come and he will pay the price that you owe me and he'll give it to you freely. But you have to choose him. You have to have faith in him. You have to put your faith in him. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that Jesus is for you, that he died for you. And because he died for you, it is now up to you to choose him. I can't make you. I can't make you choose him. But you will never even receive dreams from God until you've trusted him with your life. Some of you are sitting there saying, Pastor Adam, like, I don't even have a dream in my life. It's all, it's all great. It's all well and good. But I don't, even, I don't even have a dream in my life. I want to submit to you that maybe the reason you don't have a dream from God in your life is because you're not his. Because you've not, you've not trusted him at all in the first place. How can you trust him to achieve the dream that he has for you? To even receive the dream that he has for you without first trusting him. We have this saying at the, at the refuge that even the devil believes in God. So what what makes what what what's the difference? What's what's the difference between someone that's saved and going to heaven that knows Jesus? And and even the devil that already believes in God. Well, the difference is the trust, right? So we say that believing in God plus trusting in God equals salvation. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in him today, yet at all. In the quietness of this moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, where you stand, would you do me a favor, if you've never put your trust in Jesus, but you're interested in doing that today, would you just slip your hand up? I would love nothing more than on our birthday for someone to raise their hand and say, I need Jesus. Anybody at all? Thank you. Anybody else? And say, Pastor Adam, I... I need to trust Jesus this morning. If you raise your hand, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. It's not 
the words that are magical. It's the belief in your heart that saves you. Say, God, I know that I have sinned. I know that I need you. I know that I'm separated from you. But God, I believe that Jesus died for me so that I could be yours. Come into my life and save me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you said that prayer, if you have the card that we gave you, there's a place on there to mark. Just mark that. Said I've committed to follow Jesus today. Drop it in the black box give it to us at Thanksgiving. Would you do me a favor? Would you give God a hand for two years? Come on. We're going to sing a song and then we'll be dismissed.